to go to Deuteronomy chapter 8 tonight. We'll begin at verse 1. Vamos a comenzar en verso 1. And we're going to focus on verse 3. Vamos a enfocar nuestro tiempo en el verso 3. We've been talking about a long obedience in the same direction. And the Christian life is a life that demands a long obedience in the direction of God's call and purpose in our life. And especially in times like the times we're living in, there is always a, a risk or an opportunity to quit, to give up, to give in. And tonight I want us to see how the Word of God influences our life against giving up so that we can endure and continue going forward in the path which God has outlined for our life. Now, Deuteronomy is a book that contains five sermons preached by Moses. It's called the Second Law. Deuteronomy means Second Law. And this is because the first law was given at Mount Sinai to the generation that came out of Egypt. And as you know, that generation died in the wilderness because of their unbelief. And so at the end of 40 years, Moses gives the second law. He reiterates what God spoke at Mount Sinai, only now he's speaking to a different generation, a generation of faith, a generation that believes, and ultimately a generation that would possess the promises of God. And so tonight we're reading the Word of God to you because you are a part of that generation. How many of you are a part of the second generation? You say, well, Pastor, how do I know? How do I know if I'm part of the second generation? Well, if you have died to the old man and you live a new life in Christ, you're part of that second generation. And that word tonight there in Deuteronomy is for us. So what does the word say? All the commandments that I have commanded you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. That he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and he let you be hungry. And he fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. That he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these forty years. Thus you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God has disciplined you as just as a man disciplines his son. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit among us. I ask tonight as I teach and preach the word that you would anoint me to do precisely that, and that you would give uh, the hearing the hearing ear of the Spirit to this congregation, that they might receive the Word of God as spiritual food for their life. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen. I want us to uh, look at these uh, verses. We're going to focus on verse 3 tonight. Vamos a enfocar en el verso 3 esta noche. I want you to look first of all, at God's will expressed in verse 1. Vemos primero la voluntad de Dios expresada en el verso 1. And God's will is that you and I would keep His commandments, that we would uh, keep to His word. La voluntad de Dios es que usted y yo guardemos su palabra. And He says that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which I swore to your forefathers. Now that's God's will for your life, for you to live. What kind of life does God intend for you to have? The Bible says that we have been given an abundant life. And Jesus said a life more abundant. La vida que Dios quiere que usted tengamos es una vida abundante. Not only are we to have abundant life, but we're to have eternal life. También tenemos vida eterna. Y la vida eterna es algo que no aparece en la muerte, sino que ya usted la tiene. You don't have eternal life at death uh, merely. You don't have to wait to die to become eternal. But you already possess eternal life. 
at this very moment as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Say that out loud with me tonight. I have eternal life. And then God's will is for you to multiply, to increase. Everyone say increase. Luego vemos la voluntad de Dios que usted tenga crecimiento. Dice multiplicación. Ese es el crecimiento, el avance. God's will for your life is increase. La voluntad de Dios para nuestra vida es el avance, el crecimiento. Everything that uh, God does increases. Todo lo que Dios hace crece. And uh, he says that our life is like a, our, uh, our spiritual life and the word of God in us is like a seed that's small, but as it increases, it grows, and before long it becomes a mighty tree. Uh, that's the very nature of the word of God and the very nature of the kingdom of God. Es la naturaleza del reino de Dios, el crecimiento y la multiplicación. Then he says, I want you to go in and possess the land. Luego dice, yo quiero que entres <coughs> y poseas la tierra. God is not just interested in you having a collection of promises and uh, IOUs, but he wants you to actually go in and possess the promised land. He wants you to actually go in and enjoy the word that he has spoken over your life. Say amen, somebody. Dios no solamente quiere que usted y yo tengamos una colección de promesas, sino quiere que usted y yo entremos y poseemos las promesas de Dios y la tierra que Dios tiene para nosotros. And you know that this is God's will for your life. It's not God's will for you to die outside of the promised land, to die outside of your inheritance, to die outside of your place in Christ, but he wants you to enjoy the fullness of the inheritance which you have been given. In the beloved. Dios no quiere que usted muera afuera de la tierra prometida o afuera de las promesas que Dios tiene para su vida o que Dios tiene uh, para su familia. Él quiere que usted las disfrute. And uh, if you and I uh, will, will just seize on to that, y si usted y yo nos uh, aferramos a esa realidad and, and not let anybody talk you out of the promises of God. No deje que nadie lo... Uh, lo uh, despida o despida de las promesas de Dios. Now in verse 2, uh, we have one of the covenant words of God. And that's the word remember. Luego en el verso 2 tenemos una de las palabras de Dios. Uh, the, las palabras del pacto de Dios. Es la palabra re recuerda. Everyone say remember. So God says to this people, because the people he's talking to now, they were either born in the wilderness Or they were 20 years old when they came out of Egypt. When the Lord sent, uh, the, when the spies were sent into the, into the land. And they came back out and they refused to go in. The Lord said, because of your unbelief, then everyone who's 20 years or older is going to die in the wilderness. And so it was. And so now he's speaking to a younger generation, a new generation. And he says to them, remember. And what does he want them to remember? He says, remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness for 40 years. Remember the ways that God has dealt with you in your life. Why is that so important? Because a day is going to come when you're going to run into challenges or you're going to run into adversaries and you're going to need to remember the testimony of God in your life. And the things that God has done in your life thus far. Uh, es necesario recordar las cosas que Dios ha hecho en nuestras vidas. Y cuando venga la adversidad poder saber Dios ya hizo algo semejante en mi vida antes. Y yo sé que lo puede hacer una vez más en mi vida. The word remember there, remember the ways is not just to bring it to mind. But he's saying that the, the ways of the Lord... And that the way that God deals within our life ought to create, ought to create a, uh, a, 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 a rut, as it were. It ought to create a, a path that's going to become the way of life, the style of our life. La palabra recuerda los caminos, no solamente uh, significa traerlo a la memoria, sino que haga una huella, que marque una huella en tu vida. Let it create a, a, a path in your life that you instantly and automatically know this is God's way of dealing. This is God's way of moving and directing my life. Friends, the, the person who learns 
of the ways of God uh, will find himself uh, being able to prosper and succeed in the things which God calls. The Bible says that Israel knew God's works, but Moses knew God's ways. There's a difference. When you only know God's works, you only know what God can do, that's one level, but there's a deeper level. And it's the level of knowing the ways of God and what pleases God and how God speaks to your life in particular. So he wants them to be mindful of that. And then in the, in the, uh, in the lower part of the chapter, in verse 18, he gives us again the word remember. And there's another reason why we need to remember. He says, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to make wealth. That you may confirm, that he may confirm his covenant with you, which he swore to your fathers, as it is to this day. So now he wants them to remember. Why? Because they're going to go into the promised land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. A land where there are houses they didn't build, wells they didn't dig. There's going to be uh, vineyards they didn't plant. There's going to be abundance. There's going to be prosperity. And he doesn't want them to forget When you are blessed, when you are prospering, when everything is going well for you, don't forget that God is the one who did this in your life. Say amen, somebody. Remember that it was the Lord who did this in your life. Remember that it was the Lord who gave you the power. To create wealth. That it was the Lord who gave you the power to possess the promised land. That it was the Lord whose ways created uh, pathways to life. And pathways in your character that produced the prosperity and the success that you know. And unless you remember, then everything you gain, you'll lose. That's the reality. When someone forgets what God has done and how God has done it, they'll start re we're rethinking things. They'll start adopting new ways. And before long, what produced the blessing in your life, because you're no longer doing it, will now uh, be absent. And you'll start to see the opposite occurring in your life. And now we get to verse 3. And in verse 3, he says to them, I took you in the wilderness, and this was my reason for doing so. He said, I humbled you and let you be hungry. I fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so now here we understand that God is speaking to the nation of Israel And he's saying to them, you've been in the wilderness for 40 years. That's a long time. A long obedience in the same direction. A a long determination to get where God has promised them to go. Les dice en el verso 3, 40 años han estado en el desierto. Los he llevado por este camino. Y esto lo he hecho porque yo quería que ustedes aprendieran la humildad. Y cree que, 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 uh, que aprendieran a depender de mí. He says, I'm, I've taken you into the wilderness so that you would come to understand. To make you understand. How many of you have ever had to be made to understand? It's just a lot easier when you understand, right? When they have to make you understand, that means that uh, God is having to take a, a stronger place, a stronger tone in our life. And he wants them to acknowledge something. Because they're going through this journey and he's, he's teaching them a, a specific thing. He's teaching them that he is their source and that they must depend upon him. And he says, I let you be hungry. So we understand there that being hungry is not a sin. If it were a sin, then there wouldn't be very many people on the earth. Hunger is not a sin, but it's... It's a, 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 a natural and normal part of life. El tener hambre no es pecado uh, y es algo muy natural y muy normal tener hambre. All of us have needs. Todos nos, nosotros tenemos necesidades. The most basic of them, of course, is food. Lo, lo más básico es la comida. And so God is interested in our needs being met. Dios está interesado en que nuestras necesidades sean cumplidas. And that he, he has promised us that he will supply all of our needs. 
Él nos ha prometido suplir todas nuestras necesidades. But this is the point that he made with Israel. Ese es el punto clave que él quería hacer con Israel. And that was this. You need bread. Uh, you need physical things in your life. Necesitas pan. Necesitas cosas físicas en tu vida. But that's not all you need. Uh, esto es necesario, pero no es todo. There is a higher degree of need that I want to meet in your life. Hay una área más importante que la comida uh, y algo más profundo y es la área espiritual. I want to address the spiritual need of your life. That's why I took you into the wilderness. And that's why I allow you to be hungry and, and for you to eat manna because I was teaching you that you don't just live by the fulfillment of your natural needs, but you live by a spiritual reality which is the word of God. Dios le está enseñando a Israel que él los llevó al desierto y les, les dio hambre, les dio de comer para que ellos aprendieran que el hombre no vive de lo natural, sino que hay una área más alta que la área espiritual. Que el hombre consiste de la palabra de Dios. Now let's unpack this for a moment this morning. First of all, the, he said, I gave you manna. That's the natural. Él le dice, le di maná. Esa es la área natural. This is how God dealt with Israel. Es la manera que Dios operó con Israel. He gave them manna six days a week. Uh, on the Sabbath day, there was no manna, uh, except that they had collected twice as much the day before, so they have enough for the Sabbath. El maná caía seis días por la semana. Y este el pan del cielo no caía el día sábado porque ellos tenían do, el día viernes que recoger doble para el sábado para no violar la ley del sábado. They couldn't uh, violate the, the law of the Sabbath. And here's what God told them. Every one of you is going to get the same measure of manna. Just imagine, you know, in your, in your a kitchen, there's a cup, or maybe, uh, I don't know if exactly a cup, but just a measure. Everyone's going to get exactly the same measure. Todos van a recibir la misma medida. I want you to understand, this is physical bread, this is pan físico, but there's a spiritual instruction attached to it. It's pan físico, pero hay una instrucción espiritual que viene con ello. And the instruction is, don't take more than your measure. No vas a llevar más que tu medida. Now, you might look around and you say, well, that doesn't really seem fair because some of us need a bigger measure than others. That's why God invented buffets, right? Because some of us need more than others. Uh, but God was teaching Israel something about his word. Say amen, somebody. Even if you don't understand, you just keep going and say amen. God was teaching them something about his word. He was saying to them, I'm going to give you all the same measure. Because I want you to understand something. That when you think it's not enough, it will be enough. And he said, uh, as a testimony of the nation of Israel in those 40 years, he who had much had nothing left over, and he who had lack, uh, he who had little had no lack. That was God's testimony of the manna. When someone took more than they were given by the word of God, then that extra became a, it spoiled in their house. It became a problem in their house. And the one that didn't take enough, didn't think it would be enough, it ended up being sufficient to meet his need. Are you following me tonight? How many of you have had this testimony in your life when you thought that's not going to be enough? That's not going to suffice. It's not going to reach. But when, when you understand that there's a natural dimension and the natural dimension may not look like enough, but there's a dimension above that. It's the word of God and the word of God will make the natural stretch as far as it's got to stretch in order to do the word of God in your life. Say amen, somebody. And so he who had little had no lack. And he who had too much had nothing left over. God's word was engaged in their daily 
provision every single day. And this is ultimately the illustration of what God wanted Israel to understand. You don't live by bread alone. You live by the word of God. You live by everything that proceeds from the mouth of God. Israel tenían todos que recoger la misma medida. Entonces uno quizá decía, pero mi medida no es suficiente, yo quiero más. Y Dios les había dicho, todos con la misma medida. ¿Por qué? Porque ustedes piensan que con lo natural, que la medida que yo les he dado no es suficiente. Pero encima de la medida está mi palabra. Y mi palabra es la que produce la suficiencia en tu vida. Es la que produce la suficiencia en tu circunstancia. Así que no uh, mires lo natural, mira lo espiritual. El hombre no vivirá por pan solamente, sino de toda palabra que procede de la boca de Dios. Now just think about it for a moment. God has an instruction on our money, doesn't he? Dios tiene una instrucción sobre nuestro dinero. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. There may be meat in my house, uh, said the Lord. Una de las instrucciones de Dios está sobre nuestro dinero. Traer todo el diezmo al alfolir y habrá carne en mi casa, dice Jehová. And he says, prove me now herewith. If I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing or the blessing which you will not have room enough to receive. Now what's he saying? He's saying, when I ask you to give me the tenth part of your income, your natural mind says, I'm not going to have enough. Ninety is not the same as a hundred. And God says, but you don't live by bread alone. You live by my words. Amen, somebody. So he says, prove me now herewith. You're proving God when you honor his word above the circumstances that you observe in the natural. And when you say to God, okay, God, I don't understand this, but I'm going to tithe because I'm going to prove you. Then he says, now you're going to see that 90 will do more than 100 ever could. And it's going to go further than it could have because now my word is working in your life. Why is this so important to understand? Because this is what sustains a long obedience in the same direction. The word of God is what has the sustaining influence in our life. ¿Por qué es tan importante esto? Porque es la palabra la cual sostiene la larga obediencia en la misma dirección. If not for the word of God, then we would fall or give up along the way. Si no por la palabra de Dios, entonces caeríamos en el camino o, o, o nos diéramos por vencido. And, and many people have quit or given up on their assignment from God, on their call from God, on their relationship with God because they have lost sight of the word of God. Muchos no han terminado su carrera o han fallado en el camino, no porque Dios les falló y no porque la palabra les falló, sino porque ellos perdieron uh, su mirada de la palabra. They lost their focus on the word. Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And uh, this, this temptation comes to him from Satan. And you remember what he said. He said, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Jesús fue tentado por el diablo en el desierto. Y Satanás viene y usted recuerda lo que él dijo. Si eres el hijo de Dios, convierte estas piedras en pan. Now, there's a, a, a variety of, of levels to that temptation. Hay variedad de niveles en esa tentación. Number one, Jesus had just fasted for 40 days, so bread would have been a very nice uh, thing to have at that moment. Jesús acababa de, de ayunar 40 días, así que el pan hubiera sido algo uh, muy apropiado para ese momento. Another part of this temptation is that he's saying, if you're the son of God. So if you really are, that the person you say you are, then show me, show off, 
do what you uh, are able to do. Si eres el hijo de Dios, pruébalo. Muéstralo. And so he's tempting Jesus to use his spiritual and supernatural power in order to gratify his flesh or, or his uh, natural man. Él está tentando a Jesús que él use su poder espiritual para suplir o para a quedar bien con el, lo natural. And what does Jesus respond? It is written, Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. ¿Qué dice Jesús? Escrito está, No solo de pan vivirá el hombre, sino de toda palabra que procede de la boca de Dios. What did Jesus teach us there? ¿Qué es lo que Jesús nos está enseñando? He was teaching us that you can satisfy the natural and miss the whole thing. Si, si, uh, él nos está enseñando que puedes satisfacer lo natural y, y perder todo. Because the natural is a lower level. There's a spiritual dimension involved in this situation. Hay una dimensión espiritual. E esa dimensión es la dimensión espiritual. La palabra de Dios. La cual suple lo que lo natural no puede suplir. It's the word of God that will make up the difference in the, in, which the natural cannot make up. And he responds to the tempter with the very word of God. Él responde al tentador con la misma palabra de Dios. And so this is uh, the recipe for a long obedience. Esa es la, la receta para una larga obediencia en la misma dirección. You've got to have the word of God in your heart. Tiene que mantener la palabra de Dios en tu corazón, en tu vida. Y si pierdes el enfoque en ello, puedes perder grandes cosas en tu vida. If you lose your sight of the word of God or the promise of God, you can lose uh, a, a great deal of time and a great deal of effort in your life. What is the, what is the word of God to you? Well, Job chapter 23, verse 12, he says, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job 23, 12, dice, Job ahí, he estimado la palabra de su boca más que mi comida necesaria. What's Job saying? God's word is more to me than food. La palabra de Dios es más que comida natural. God's word, I have esteemed. I've raised up the word of God above my necessary food. Yo he estimado. He puesto la palabra de Dios encima de todo lo demás y todo lo natural en mi vida. Let's just, just, just do a little test right now. Do you esteem God's word above your present circumstances? Is God's word taking the highest place in your present situation? Hazte un examen ahorita. Y fíjate si la palabra de Dios la estás estimando encima de la circunstancia que hoy tienes en tu vida. What is, what is your attention on? ¿Sobre qué está tu atención? And, and if you will just do that little test, I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll discover where there is a, if there's a lack of peace, if there's a lack of, of a breakthrough, if there's a lack of anything in your life, it's because you're esteeming the wrong thing too highly. When you esteem the word of God above everything else, and you come to that place where you know, I don't live by bread alone. I live by the word of God. And what God has spoken over this situation is what I'm going to Focus on. It's what I'm going to trust in. It's what I'm going to lean into. Come on, somebody. And that's going to produce a security and a peace in your life. Cuando usted se determina que la palabra de Dios va a tener la prioridad y preeminencia en sus pensamientos. Y le da prioridad a la palabra de Dios encima de todo lo demás. La paz va a reinar en esa situación. Now Joshua 1 and 8 tells us what the word of God will produce in our life. Josué 1, 8 nos dice que la palabra de Dios produce algo en nuestra vida. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. 
but you shall meditate therein day and night, and that you may observe to do all that is written within it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The word of God will produce success in your life. La palabra de Dios produce éxito en tu vida. Now that was a weak amen. I said the word of God will produce success in your life. Pastor, why do I keep failing in this area? I guarantee it. It goes back to whether or not you are doing what God's word says to do about it. Because it will produce success in your life. La palabra de Dios produce éxito en tu vida. The word will work when you work it. La palabra de Dios va a funcionar en tu vida cuando usted comience a trabajar la palabra. And it will produce success in your life. Va a producir éxito en tu vida. If you want success, you've got to do it God's way. Si quieres el éxito, entonces tiene que hacerlo la forma que Dios lo demanda. Deuteronomy 32, 47. Deuteronomio 32, verso 47. Dice la palabra del Señor. God's word says, For it is not an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life. The word of God is your life. And by this word you will prolong your days in the land which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess it. Dice ahí, esto no es cualquier palabra, sino que esta es tu vida. Y esta palabra... Hará largos tus días en la tierra, la cual tú vas a poseer. Now, this passage is, is very important because Israel was, was not going to be in the land forever. At this moment in history, they're going to lose the land in the Babylonian exile. And then again in, uh, in 70 AD. And until 1948, the nation of Israel returned to the land. So they've been out of the land on and off for a long time. What produced that problem in their life? Israel no ha estado en posesión de la tierra todo el tiempo. La perdieron en el exilio. La perdieron de nuevo en el año 70 uh, de, de uh, el milenio pasado. ¿Qué es lo que, qué es lo que Dios se está diciendo aquí vas a prolongar tus días en la tierra si tú te aferras a mi palabra you will stay in the land you'll enjoy the land if you will esteem the word of God as your life but if you if you esteem God's word as just some idle word some just something just some fruitless thing that maybe you put on your wall or that maybe you post on your social media but you really haven't un understood that this is not just words this is life and so the generations come and eventually the word of God loses its place in their life it loses their place in, the, in their thinking it loses their, its place in their decisions it loses its place in how they uh, how they earn and how they spend their money it loses their place in their marriages in their uh, relationships it loses its place and then what happens they lose the land and what do they want to do they want to say well if God were faithful we wouldn't have lost it if God were faithful we wouldn't be in this problem no the, God is faithful say man somebody the problem wasn't that God wasn't faithful. The problem was that you did not do what God said. And Israel becomes to us a stark example of what happens in a life where the word of God is esteemed as something idle, something passive. What do you say? Indeed, it is your life. Cuando la palabra pierde su lugar en nuestra vida, entonces vienen esos problemas que nos sacan del lugar de la promesa de Dios para nosotros. Is the church here tonight? Proverbs chapter 4 verse 22. Proverbios 4 verso 22. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Dice ahí, sus palabras son vida para todos los que los encuentran y salud para nuestra carne. 
The word of God is health. Say that right now. The word of God is health to me. God's word is health to your spiritual life. It's health to your physical life. God's word is health to you. It's life to you. La palabra de Dios es, es uh, salud para tu vida. And you say, Pastor Isaac, why is this so? When God created man, he used three things. Cuando Dios creó al hombre, usó tres cosas. First of all, his word. Primero su palabra. God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. You remember that? So man was created by the word of God. Say it out loud. I am a creature of the word. Then man was made by the hand of God. The only thing in the creation that God touched with his hand was man. He formed a man out of the dust of the earth. Everything else he spoke. But man he spoke and he touched. And once he formed the man and he breathed into him. That's the third thing. That's the spirit of God. He breathed into him the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Luego, habiéndolo formado con su mano, lo único que Dios tocó en la creación es el hombre. That's why you and I need touch. And that's why you and I need the word. And that's why you and I need the spirit. Because we are creatures of the word. And we're creatures of the touch of God. And we are creatures of the spirit of God. Y luego le, le dio el soplo de vida. Le dio espíritu. Y eso... Ahora, la tercera parte del hombre fue creado por la palabra, fue creado por uh, el, la mano de Dios y fue creado por el Espíritu de Dios. En, entonces, ¿cómo puede el hombre existir sin la palabra y sin el toque de Dios y sin el uh, sople de, de Dios? How can man live without the word of God if he's a creature of the word? How can man live without the touch of God if he is a, a creature of God's touch? How can man live without the breath of God's spirit? You are a spirit being. You need to be in touch with the spirit of God. And so man cannot live by bread alone. He needs the word of God. El hombre necesita la palabra de Dios. Let's go to Psalm chapter 1. Vamos a ir al Salmo capítulo 1. Verse 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the word, the law of the Lord, and in his word, in his law, he meditates day and night. What kind of man is this? What kind of man is this? A blessed man. How many of you want to be blessed? Just a few of you. How many want to be blessed? That's what I thought. How is he blessed? He delights in the word of God. El hombre bendecido es un hombre que se deleita en la palabra de Dios. Another verse says this. I love to do thy will, O God. That's what it means to delight. It doesn't just mean, oh, I love that Bible verse. I love that scripture. No, it means I delight in it. And delighting goes beyond just I love it. It goes to I Love doing it. I implement it in my life. I love to do your will of God. He delights in his law. And on his word he meditates day and night. The word meditate means to bring it back up. To chew on it. Same way a cow chews on the cud. Drive by real slow by a farm someday. You see some cow just sitting there chewing. And you wonder, what are they chewing on? Last Sunday's sermon. And that's part of their digestive program. Guess what? Meditating on the word is part of God's program for your spirit. 
It's how the word of God breaks down and gets into every cell of our being. We meditate on the word of God. It's a day and night. It's a lifestyle of being creatures of the word. This is a long obedience in the same direction. You don't quote a Bible verse once and leave it alone. You live with it. You live with the word. You act the word in your life. And he says, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. Let me ask you a question now. Because are we talking about a man that gave up? Are we talking about a man that quit? Are we talking about a man that threw in the towel? No. We're talking about somebody that stayed in the long obedience in the same direction. What does he become? He's like a tree planted by streams of water. Which yields its fruit in its season, and his leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. Listen, trees don't grow overnight. When you see a tree, you're looking at a long obedience in the same direction. Now, if you read Jeremiah 17, he gives a similar passage to this one. But there, he says that a wicked man doesn't trust in God, and he becomes like a bramble bush, like a like a uh, tumbleweed in the wilderness. And there are a lot of tumbleweeds. What does a tumbleweed do? It has, it's a big old bush with very small roots. And the moment it dries up, its roots give way, and it starts getting blown away. The Bible calls that winds of doctrine. Just every little teaching, every little uh, message from the enemy will just blow them away. Every bit of bad news just blows them away. And you see them over there, then you see them over there, and they're just getting pushed side to side. And, and uh, it's funny, if you ever go through the wilderness, sometimes you'll just see a big bunch of tumbleweeds all stuck together in the same corner. And there are a lot of people just live like that, just pushed aside. And there's a lot of movement, but they haven't grown. Because there's no root, and that root cannot, cannot come unless there is a long-term commitment to the Word of God. And the man and the woman that has a long-term commitment to the Word of God is developing roots. And somebody looks at you and says, Look at them. They're driving the same car they were driving two years ago. Look at that. They're on the same phone they had three years ago. Look at that. They had the same husband they had 50 years ago. Yeah. I'm not trying to be everywhere you are. I'm trying to bear fruit where God planted me. Say amen, somebody. I am not worried about being everywhere and uh, being all things to all people. My goal is to stick to what God told me to do. It's a long obedience in the same direction. And here's how I'll measure faithfulness. And here's how God measures faithfulness. Is that if if he finds you doing what he told you to do the last time he told you to do it. And if he'll find you there, time will tell. And when, when the world looks at you, they will see a tree. And then people will say, you know, I never saw that in him. I never thought they would become that. I never knew they could be so strong. I never knew they had so much wisdom. Because you made a decision to put your roots down in the word of God and stay in that place and grow and in, in pace with God. He says he's like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. And if you study the Bible, you understand water represents the word. What does he do? He yields fruit in its season. That sound like success? And his leaf doesn't wither. And whatever he does prospers. Why? Because he, he's not sitting with scoffers. And he's not in the path of sinners. He's in the word. 
He's in the way of the word. He's allowed the word to create ruts in his life. And if I could use a, a, a farm analogy just one more time. If you, if you ever go out to a farm, you'll notice that the cows create ruts. They know how to get to water. and They don't take a different route every time. And God wants his word to create ruts in your life. So that when you need water, you know how to get to water. That there's no debate, no question. What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? You already know what God's word says and you do it. And you live on that. You act on that. You hold on to that. And that's the faithfulness that produces this prosperity and this success in our lives. And you know, you'll hear some people say, well, you know, I'm just going to quit. I'm tired of these people. I'm tired of those, of those uh, things going on in my life. And they've lost sight of God's assignment and God's word. And they're just looking at the circumstances. And what does God say? No, no, no. You don't live by bread. You live by my word. It's my word that's going to produce success in your life. Let's go to the book of Romans. Vamos a Romanos. Capítulo 10, verso 17. Chapter 10, verse 17. I hope you brought a pen tonight. Pastor, I take notes on my phone. Okay, whatever. I just hope you're taking some notes. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17. You know this by heart. Faith comes how? By hearing. Hearing what my neighbor said. Hearing what they said on Fox News. Hearing what was posted on Facebook. How does faith come? By hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Now you're a well enough taught church to know that nothing is going to come into your life except by faith. Everything we receive from God, we receive how? By faith. And the only way that faith can come, or one of the ways that faith comes, is by the word, the hearing of the word. And so I would just encourage you, if you miss a service, go back and hear the word. Because... God is speaking from this pulpit to this flock. And if you'll come and you'll hear the word that God is speaking for this flock, you'll get revelation and information and assignment for this for this time, this season in your life. Why? Because the word of God produces faith in your life so that you can go and possess the land which God already has willed for you to possess. Faith comes by hearing. Now, this is important that we understand this because there's a Greek word here that's not, that's not coming out in English. And the word there for the word of Christ, hearing by the word, the word there is not the Greek word logos, which normally we associate with the written word, but it's the word rhema. And the word rhema means the living word. All right? So he says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the rhema of God, the rhema of Christ. Here's what happens. When you are hearing the word of God, the logos, preached, or you're hearing it read, or you're reading it, as you're reading, and you've opened up your your heart and mind to say, Holy Spirit, speak to me through your word, And as that's happening, maybe it's during a Bible study, maybe it's during the preaching of the word, maybe it's your personal devotional time, maybe it's while you're meditating. Suddenly, all of a sudden, God will breathe upon his word and his word becomes a living word to your circumstance, to your situation. 
And you know, I just heard from God. Ever happened to you? That's the rhema. And when the rhema comes, faith comes. That's why when you are wanting to make a big decision in your life, stay in the word until you get the rhema. Until you get direction from God. When you get it, faith will come. And you'll have the revelation, the insight, the know-how, the direction that God wants for your life. And, and people, we have to sit before God. And sometimes it happens over a few days, sometimes over a few uh, weeks, sometimes in just a few moments. But be disciplined about waiting before God until God speaks. Until God directs your life. Now, this happens uh, quite frequently that someone will come up to me and say, Pastor, God used uh, your sermon, your message to speak to my life or to answer particular requests or particular prayer in my life. And, and sometimes, you know, someone in, in my seminary class will raise their hand and have a question. And I'll say, just a second, I'll just keep, I'll finish saying what I feel needs to be said. And then I'll say, all right, what's your question? I'll say, never mind, you already answered it. Now, that's, there's nothing on my part. My job is to prepare the logos and to preach it. I don't know what your questions are. And if I did, I probably wouldn't have a very organized sermon trying to answer everybody's question. But when you are sitting with an open heart before the Word of God, the Word of God, that living Word, will come... And even if the preacher's preaching and speaking in a completely different direction, God will see to it that you get the bread that you need in order to be, to be filled and in order to have the direction that you need in your life. Faith comes by hearing. And that word, that living word, explodes within our life with direction, with revelation, with insight. Here's what's going on. Galatians Chapter 2, pardon, chapter 3, verse 2. Galatas, capítulo 3, verso 2. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Paul says to the Galatians, here's what I want to know. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing with faith? How did you receive the Spirit? I just apply this to a decision or circumstance in your life. You're trying to make a decision. What do you need? You need the Spirit to speak. And what does he say? You're not going to receive the Spirit by the works of the law. And you're not going to receive the Spirit by the works of the flesh. Trying to make it happen out of yourself is not how the Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit does not say, okay, I better go help Mijo because he's been wearing himself out trying to get an answer. You're going to wear yourself out some more. He does not respond to, to you and I in the flesh. He responds to the hearing of faith. When we get quiet before God and say, God, I've got to have your word. I need to hear what you would say. Galatians 3, 5, again. He says it again in a different way. How does God lavish his spirit on you and work miracles among you because you practice the law or because you hear and believe? How is it that miracles are happening in your life? Is it because of your works? Because of your effort? Because of your ability? Because of your uh, conscious practice of the law? No, it's because of the hearing and the believing. And, and maybe tonight you're wearing yourself out trying to get God to do something. And you don't have to get God to do anything. Everything God wants to do, He already did. He has given you at the cross a finished work. Everything is done. You and I receive from God. I'm not trying to get God to do something. He's already done it. It's already paid for. How do these things manifest in our life? 
not by our our flesh and our struggle, but by the hearing and by believing. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse thirteen. And we continually thank God because when you receive the word of God, how many of you receive the word of God? This is first Thessalonians two thirteen. When you receive the word of God that you heard from us, you accepted it. Ask yourself, am I accepting the word? Here's what sometimes happens. The, the word of the Lord comes. This season, breakthrough will visit your house. And some people accept it. And others say, well, we'll see. If you say, well, we'll see, you'll never see. God is looking for people who will accept his word. He says, I, I continually thank God because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men. You didn't say, well, that's just pastor saying stuff. But rather, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as the true word of God. The word which is now at work in you who believe. All right. Pause. How powerful is the word? It's so powerful that when God said, let there be light, it worked and light came. And the same word is in you when you accept it. And you receive it, not as the word of men, but as the word of God. And he says, what's this word doing? It's working in you. The same power that created the universe is working on the inside of you. It's that living word of God. But it only works when you accept it as the word of God and not the word of man. And, and let me just challenge this because it could be that maybe you don't accept the word that, that God has spoken to you. And you say, well that's just me. That was just me. But you're a spirit-filled believer. And he said, my sheep hear my voice. And another they will not follow. And, and when you take, when God is speaking to your spirit, and you just lower it down and say, that's just me. You're not accepting it as the word of God. You're accepting it as the word of man. And you're invalidating its power in your life. And what you have to do, when you believe that you've heard from God, you go to the Word, if the Word of God confirms it, you say, God has spoken to me, this is what He said, this is what He's going to do, this is what He showed me, and you just let that Word start working inside of you to produce the result that God has designed for it to produce in your life. Come on, is the Word, is the church here tonight? He says, you accepted it, not as the word of man, but as the true word of God, which is now at work in you who believe. How many of you were here on Sunday morning? How many of you received the word? How many of you received it as the word of God? Then guess what? That word is working inside of you. Did you read your Bible this week? Did you receive it as the word of God? Then guess what? That word is working inside of you. And maybe you don't see the result yet, but it's working. Say amen, somebody. It's working in those who believe. That's why you know, we have to be watchful when, the, when we receive the word that we, don't, that we don't diminish what God is saying to us by his spirit 
and relegate it to to a man's opinion or man's word. If if it's bearing witness, if the word of God is confirming it, you believe it and stand by it and let, let it work in your life. Let it work its perfect work. It's it's unblemished work on the inside of you. And friends, tonight, here's what we're going to do. I want you just to take take a moment and write there on a blank sheet of paper or in your phone. This is what I want you to do. I want you to write down as many as you can in the time I'm going to give you. Write down the things that you know that God has spoken to your life. And you say, Pastor, that's a lot of stuff. Then just start with this season. Write them down. This is what God has said to me in this season. Why should you do that? Because it's the word of God that sustains your long obedience in the same direction. Tome una hoja de papel o ahí en su teléfono. Haga una lista de la palabra que usted ha recibido de Dios en este en estos tiempos escríbalo véalo con sus ojos ¿por qué? porque es la palabra la cual sostiene nuestra obediencia en la misma dirección because I promise you there's going to come a moment when you're going to want to quit or give up or change directions and you're going to you're going to look back and say, no, 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 devil. You're not talking me out of this. God spoke to me. God spoke to me. And I received his word. And not as the word of man. It wasn't Paul's word. It wasn't Peter's word. It wasn't John's word. This was the word of God. And that word is working in me. Taking me to a new level. Taking me to a new place. To a new dimension. David said in Psalm 108. You just keep keep writing. You listen to me later. He said. God has spoken. And I will rejoice. God told him he was going to be the king of Israel. But he wasn't king yet. He was only the king of one tribe. There were still 11 or or 10 tribes rebelling against him. But he said, God has spoken and I will rejoice. All of these tribes are going to be mine. All of these tribes are coming under my authority. Because God said it. Maybe as you're writing, the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of things that He said to you that you already forgot. Things that you haven't thought about. Callings. Particular assignments that He gave you. That you thought maybe was no longer. Let's stand together tonight. Just take that list and let's go before the Lord. And I just want you to thank Him because He has spoken over your life. And you've accepted it by the hearing of faith. And if you if you didn't hear from God, you don't worry. Just keep walking in his direction and he'll sort it out. He'll clarify it and he'll define it further.
You just stand on what you have heard him say. And tonight we just thank you, Father, that you speak. You said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Oh God, I, I thank you for your word. For your every word. The smallest word which you have spoken over my life has left me eternally changed. Completely different. Oh, how I love your word. I esteem it above my necessary food. I thank you, Father, because when you speak, you create. When you speak, you reveal your will. When you speak, you provide. Your word is your provision.